I invite you this afternoon to turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Exodus, we are going to Exodus chapter number 14. I've been praying and seeking the Lord as we go into this new year as to uh, the theme and also as to what the Lord would have us to minister in this uh, year and looking at some of the things that we've gone through as a church, uh, some of the things that the Lord has brought us through and some of the places that the Lord wants to bring us to, um, recognizing that the Lord is taking us through this process, this journey that we call transformation. And um, here at Mars Hill, we recognize that we're proclaiming the reality of the gospel. And in that proclamation of the reality of the gospel, what it means is that when the gospel is alive and at work, it means that it is transforming our lives. What does it mean that it's transforming our lives? It means that we should not look the same way in 2012 that we looked in 2011. Amen? Amen? We should not look the same way. There should be growth. There should be areas in which the Lord is helping us to grow in our character and in our nature. And even just in terms of the things that we're doing, we want to see God's favor and his hand of protection upon us in every aspect, in every arena that he has called us to. And so as we look at this aspect of transformation at the beginning of the year, I want us to understand that for what God is calling us to, we're going to have to know that we're not in it alone. We're together going forward to all that God has called us to be. Uh, I'm going to share a little more about this vision called We Are. And it's a recognition that in 2012, God is calling us to join together. God is calling us to be a part of the body of Christ. And as we are joined together, I believe that there are great things that the Lord has in store that he is going to have happen in individual lives. But it's going to come because you're connected to the body. It's how the body was designed to function. It was how God had designed that we would be intersecting with one another's lives. We'd be involved in one another's lives. And we're going to be looking at ways that we build relationship. We build the church. We build engagement. And this recognition that as we join together, there is a power that comes as we come together to do all that God has called us to do. Well, as we go into this place of transformation, I want to set the context, and it's set in this story of Moses as he is here now experiencing the exodus from Egypt. He's experiencing the time of transition out of a place of bondage into a place of freedom. Let's look in our Bibles in Exodus chapter number 14 and verse number 13. Exodus chapter number 14. And verse number 13, and it reads, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse number 14 The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have on this afternoon to join together and to spend time in your word. And we ask that even as we have come and gathered together here, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our ears to hear all that you desire to say to us, O oh God. Father, we recognize that in the midst of all of the things that are going on in life, we need to hear a word from you, O oh God. We need clarity. We need understanding. Lord, most of all, we need your direction. Lord, we pray that as we look to this word this morning, you would speak to us. Give us words of knowledge. Father, for what we are not, would you make us? What we have not, would you give us? In Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Whether we like it or not, life is moving forward. And God is moving forward in his plans and his purposes. Whether we were holding on to things in 2011, some things we're hoping we could go back and get them, some things that we were trying to leave back there, life is moving forward and we cannot go back in time in order to go back and do things that we wish we would have done differently. You know, it's interesting that in the shifting of times and in the shifting of years, we're often consumed with minutes, seconds, hours, years. But we have to remember that Second Peter tells us that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day with the Lord. And so we have to remember that even though we look and say, wow, can you remember back 1997? What were you doing? Can you remember back 1979? What were you doing? Some of you were saying, I wasn't even born. <laughs> I was a figment, a figment of my parents' imagination. And, and, and when you think back and look back at all of these things, it's, you begin to become overwhelmed and recognize, wow, this happened and this happened and this happened. But we have to remember that in all the things that are happening, the Lord is progressing and moving to this place where he said and promised that he's coming back. And in the minutes and the times and the hours, we may not know the exact number of minutes, times, hours, days, years. But we have to recognize that the Lord, just as he promised, says he's coming back. He's going to restore things to the order that he designed. He's going to place things in the rightful place. And he has already won the victory against the enemy. And what we need to know is that here we have this grand plan of what the Lord has already done, but we live in the minute by minute and the second by second. It's easy to know, okay, Lord, you've gotten the victory, but you have to go through the times and the seasons. I mean, many of you who have went to college, you understand that it's great to know that at one day I will walk across the stage, but you know what it's like when you're in that class, the class that's a required class, and you really don't understand why it's required. You're sitting in class wondering, is this really the reason why I'm here? But this reality of the here and the now and going from glory to glory, it can be like sitting on the edge of your seat. And for those of you who are sports fans, it's like watching the last 30 seconds of the Super Bowl and it's 30-30 tie game. The anticipation, and I don't know if you've ever gone through experiences where you're in life and you're just sitting and you're wondering, okay, Lord, are you going to come through? I, I got minutes and seconds and hours till I need you to show up in the midst of my situation. I've got deadlines. I've got time pressures. I've got family pressures. I've got pressures every which way. 
and recognizing how do you live in the here and now, even though you know the bigger picture of what is going on. Here is this challenge that New Year is this challenge of walking out in new beginnings. And in walking out in new beginnings, if we looked at it as a sports analogy, when we come to a new year, it's just like a new season. I mean, if you think about it in sports, it's the new year is an opportunity for new chance, new opportunity to win some games. Uh, you know, those of you who have been here at Mars Hill know that one of my favorite teams is the Detroit Lions. And... Um, you know, it's amazing that for some time they happen not to win a lot of games. Um, how about zero um, uh, in some years? And in, that, in those seasons, it was depressing as the season went on and on and on because you were getting on like, man, they're not going to win a single game. But then what happens at the beginning? I mean, the off season and then everybody who's a true Lions fan. What happens? Beginning of the season, they're riled up. We could have been 0-12 last year, but yes, we're going to the championship Super Bowl this year. We're excited about the possibility of what could be. You ever been excited about the possibility of what could be? What could happen? What could take place? And, And the possibility of understanding that no matter what happened previously, there's a new start, a fresh start, a new opportunity to go out and do the things that God has called you to do. Now, you may have had other experiences where you were maybe like the 2007 Patriots. Life was going good. And maybe 2011 was good for you where, you know, January, you could think about all the blessings and February, you think about all the blessings and all the way until December, you think about all the blessings. And then comes the big stuff at the end of the year and you say, Lord, you pulled me through this whole year. I just need you to pull me through this one big last thing. And like the Patriots, perfect season (laughs) only to lose (laughs) the game that counts. That was the Lord saying, don't talk about the Patriots. <laughs> oh, my wife, a New York by heart. <laughs> but in all of these things, we have to understand how do we live? in light of the seconds, minutes, and hours, in light of what God wants to do. This account in Exodus brings to light the story of Moses, and it places Moses against, Moses and his people against Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and the Egyptian army. And what was going on was that the children of Israel were in bondage by the Egyptians. And what was interesting was that uh, the Lord tells Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, this is what you need to do. Let my people go. And what does Pharaoh do? Says, oh, yeah, maybe. And then he changes his mind. And so they go through these series of 10 plagues where God shows up and shows out. And they recognize Pharaoh finally says, you know what? All right, let me let these people go because I'm tired of all these plagues that are taking place. And so we get to this place in the story where now the Egyptians have let the Israelites go and they're going on their journey to go to a place of freedom. And then what happens? They recognize, wait a second, 
We're going to let these people go. Do you know what's going to happen if we let these people go? When you look there in Exodus chapter number 14, in verse number five, it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So here God was working in the midst of something. And then here someone comes to mess up what God was already working out. You ever had your deliverance come in your life? The Lord has opened a door, a a great door, and then someone comes in and says, psych, I'm going to try and take away your blessing. Someone comes in and tries to mess and to interfere with what God is doing. And this was what was happening in uh, Moses's life. And what did he do? Well, you see, Moses understood that there was a word of the Lord that had come to him in order to help him along that journey throughout the minutes, the seconds, and the hours. Look there in verse number four. In verse number four, the Lord, it starts off in verse number one, Exodus chapter number 14, and verse number one, it starts off with saying, the Lord said to Moses. So the Lord is talking to Moses. Then when you jump down to verse number four, he says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Now, when the word of the Lord came to Moses, he had selective hearing. Now, he heard what the Lord was saying, but he didn't understand the fullness of what the Lord was saying. The three parts to this word that the Lord was saying to him was that God will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, not only would God harden Pharaoh's heart and Moses probably like, "Okay, go ahead and harden Pharaoh's heart. Doesn't bother me. I don't care. But then part two of the word, what did it say? He says, and Pharaoh will pursue them and he will pursue you. And you're saying, Lord, um, I thought this was about my deliverance. So what part does this whole thing about hardening Pharaoh's heart and then Pharaoh pursuing after us have to do with your plan of escape for me? But the third part of the word, which is essential for us to see here, is he says that I will gain glory for myself. The third part of the word was the Lord was saying that God will get the glory. And no matter what was going on, what was transpiring, that Moses, when he heard that word, he said, you know what? One and two don't make much sense. But as long as you get the glory and get me out of this situation, I'm going to trust you. Do what you got to do. Now, do you remember what it's like when you had faith to trust God when the Lord gave a word to you? You didn't understand every part of it, but you just said, Lord, go ahead. And as you've spoken that word, go ahead and do it. I know I'm trusting and I'm believing you. And usually this is the level of faith that we have at the beginning of the year. You know, at the beginning of the year, we're willing to trust God for anything because we recognize it's a new beginning. It's a new opportunity. And you know what is so amazing? It's funny because it doesn't matter what happened in the last year. When we have new beginnings, we just think, man, all things are possible. The Lions can win the Super Bowl. (laughs) 
all things are possible. We think about this fact. I mean, it could be. I mean, take this scenario. You could be driving around the city. New Year's Eve. And at 1158, your car breaks down. And at 1158, you're just like, oh, Lord, how did my car break down? I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. But there's something about knowing that New Year's is two minutes away. You can have the same situation. But when the clock strikes 12, what happens? You're expecting something different to happen. It's a new year. Something is new. Now, guess what? The car didn't change. It still broke down. The circumstances didn't change. You still need to get to where you're going. But what happened was that at midnight, your expectation began to change because you had faith to believe that in spite of whatever was going on, God had new opportunities that were possible for you. And so your expectation was not about just you. It was about what your God could do in the midst of all that was going on in your life. You ever had an expectation where you trusted God to say, Lord, I believe that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly. We often term it in terms of resolutions. God, I believe you can help me lose these 30 pounds. I'm going to exercise every day. We start off with these New Year's resolutions because what? We believe that things are possible with God at the beginning, at the starting off stage. And we have faith to trust God that no matter what is going on, I'll trust you. I wonder what it would be like if we exercise that same level of faith, not just at the beginning of the calendar year, but every day, every moment that we got up, we began to renew our faith and say, it's a brand new day, a brand new opportunity for God's mercies to come into my life. And I'm looking forward, Lord, what you did yesterday, I thank you for it. But this is a new day and I need all of your blessings that you've designed for this day to be present in my life. I don't know about you, but I can't, I don't have enough time to wait around to 2013 talking about, I need a new blessing from the Lord. It's the first day of the year and I'm determined every single day of this year. If I'm waking up and the Lord gave me breath, I may have challenges all around, but every morning when I wake up, I'm going to say, Lord, I need your strength on this day. Remind me of your word. Remind me of what you've spoken. I know that you said that you'll be able to do it. I know that you said you'll be able to provide in the midst of my life. And in those things, I don't want to give up and lose heart just because it's difficult. What if in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, we had that same type of New Year's faith, trusting God each and every day. This type of faith And trust in God recognizes that we are his children and he knows that which we have need of. And our God does not abandon us in the midst of the journey that he is taking us through. And if we are his children, we have to recognize God is not simply just doing something to us. He is doing something for us to take us to the next level of faith in him. You see, when you see things simply as someone doing something to you, you see it as someone blocking you. But when you see that someone's doing something for you, you see it as protection and provision. And what changes in the midst of that circumstance is your perspective. 
The same way that from 1158 to 12 midnight, your perspective began to change. You had a different expectation. The same way that you can look at a situation as the Lord doing something to you or the Lord doing something for you. What did Moses do? He had a place where the word of the Lord had come. And then he came to this place, which I call the pivot point of faith. And in this pivot point of faith, there is always a place in the journey of life where your faith is tested. It's the choice to either remain focused on God and his glory or the choice to remain focused on you and what God is doing to you. It's the choice to either trust God or the choice to make it about I don't feel comfortable in this situation. The reality is that we often lose heart in the journey because of what is externally happening around us. And when the external circumstances change, we have to learn to trust God and have that same measure of faith despite all that is going on. Here you saw that as we read there and as in verse number five, that as they began to tell the king of Egypt and Pharaoh and all of them about what was going on, they began to go and say, man, we can't let them go. Egypt was their place of bondage, and now their place of bondage was trying to get them back. You ever broke free from some bondages, and then you're in this place where your bondages are still trying to say, hello, how you doing? Still got your number. (laughs) Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. What happened was that you saw that there. In verse 5, he says, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. Then verse number six, it says, so he had his chariot made and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. You see, when your focus is simply on you, all that you see is they're pursuing after me. But when your heart is focused on God, you'll remember that pursuit is part of what God was doing. You see, the word was, I will what? Harden Pharaoh's heart and he will do what? Pursue after you. So you're looking at it saying, man, why are they coming around? And the Lord is saying, it was part of my plan. I know what I'm doing. And so what happened is that the Egyptian, verse number nine, All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haroth opposite Baal-Zephon. And here's what is is interesting. Verse number 10, this this is the verse that like, I mean, I just would love to depict this in a movie. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. You ever look up and see some things that you thought you got rid of? See some people that you thought were out of your life, and there they are standing right there, wanting the same things, saying the same things, asking the same questions. And have you ever looked up and saw and that you were saying, man, I thought I was breaking free, and here are these Egyptians that are still around, my places of bondage that are still around me, that are still in this place. And what was going on is that you have to remember that even in spite of the fact that when they looked up and saw Egyptians were around them, ask yourself what had changed. The God that they served didn't change. The word that God had promised didn't change. 
It was simply the external circumstances around them that had changed. And they believed more in the external circumstances than in the God of the external circumstances. And it's so easy that we put more faith in what someone else is able to do or what someone else says than what God is able to do and what he has said. Listen to their complaint. I mean, here, as they saw up, as they looked up and saw all of the Egyptians there, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't you say to, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You ever had some experiences where you're wondering, Lord, what are you doing? Why did you bring me to this place? I'm serving you. I'm doing the things. I'm showing charity and love to others. And then people take advantage of you. People backbite against you. Maybe you make provisions and and you trust God and it seems like everything that you're doing, this just does not make sense. Unless we look at it and say, man, you know, those those uh, children of Israel, they were some ungrateful people. I recognize that I was even in this place at the end of 2011. I was asking the Lord, why did you bring me to here? Why did you allow these things to happen? Why wasn't it better when I was in bondage? Wasn't it better when I was oppressed? And we begin to take bondage and oppression and look at it as if it was candy, that it was just better than what we have right now. What was happening is that many of us, we've gotten to these places where we started off with having high faith. We start off the beginning of the year saying, Lord, all things are possible. We come up with slogans. I'm dusting myself off the shelf in 2012. I, you know, we come off all kinds of all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what rise in 2012. I mean, people people are coming up with all kinds of stuff. We have slogans and we're just chanting them and saying, yeah, 2012. And we're excited. And then two weeks into 2012, we're already, man, I can't wait for 2013 to come. I can't wait for my breakthrough. We start thinking, we spend the whole of the last nine months of the year thinking up slogans for 2013 and how 2012 was a horrible year, but 2013, that's my year. But here, you have a place which I call a pivot point. And it's a pivot point because when the challenges and the circumstances come, you can either pivot and begin to look at your external circumstances and say, what am I supposed to do? Or you can pivot and look to your God and say that in spite of all that's going on right now, I'll still trust in what you said. I'll still trust in your word. I'm going to have faith to believe that what you have spoken will come to pass. Now, you're at this place of pivot. You're looking to God. But what do you do? You see, What happened is in the life of Moses is that he had to be the place and the person that would ignite the people around them in faith. He had to be a catalyst 
to get the people back focused to where they needed to be. And when you look in the text here, you begin to see as what happened here in verse number 13, he said to them as they're complaining and moaning and grumbling, he says, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. I recognize that if we're going to walk out in what God has called us to do, we're going to need some Moseses in our lives. We're going to need some people. And guess what? As we are Moseses in other people's lives, somebody's going to be a Moses in our life when we're the ones who are sitting there and saying, why did you bring me out here? Why did you send me to this job? Why did you send me to Boston? But what Moses did is that in the midst of them looking at their external circumstances, Moses came in and said, listen, let's get our hearts and our focus at the right place. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the Lord's deliverance. And guess what? These Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more forever. He was encouraging them and igniting their faith. When you look around this room, God creates us in community and he brings us together, not for us just to say, I don't like sister so-and-so, I don't like brother so-and-so, but he brings us together because we're all called to ignite one another in faith. And there are going to be times where I'm going to need your ignition. I'm going to need your starting of lighting up that fire in order for me to get back in the place of faith where I need to be. And there are going to be times where you need me to go and to ignite your faith. To recognize, man, let's trust God for what he has said. And what happened was that as they trusted and their faith was ignited, there were four things that he said here. The first thing he says was, do not be afraid. The second thing was, stand firm. You'll see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The third part was that the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. What was going on? The first thing was that he said, do not be afraid. Fear hinders faith. Fear causes us not to trust. And when you look around you, there is always going to be something that you can be fearful of. There is always a reason for you to find something that you can say, this will not happen or this will not transpire. And what Moses was saying to them is that when you are so focused on everything around you, you will only be able to see all of the fear factors. You'll only be able to see it and you'll see it out of perspective. You only begin to see, oh man, what will happen if this? 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 And yes, there are always going to be the what will happens. But fear will hinder you from moving forward in God. And if God wants to transform us in 2012 and to get us to a place where he wants us to be, you cannot let fear hinder you from God taking you and transforming you and taking you to the place where he wants you to be. He says, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, even when Moses goes to the Lord and says, all right, Lord, what do I, I told these people don't be afraid. But when you look there in verse number 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. (laughs) Guess what? Stop looking at all the fear factors. 
Stop looking at all the reasons why you can't and begin to look at why God is greater than all of the can'ts. I know that there are reasons you can look and you can talk about my credit. I can talk about my resources. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough things. And I'm saying this to you. I'm preaching to the choir because I need to hear this sometimes. Because when I look at some of the circumstances, I begin to tell myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. And guess what? You only need one person to co-sign with you just for you to begin to say, oh, yes, see, I told you I couldn't do it. And what happens? You begin to become afraid. One person ignites all of that that you've been thinking in your mind. I was at a point uh, at the end of last year, I was just saying, I don't know what I'm good for. Am I a good preacher? I'm not a good engineer. I'm not a good lawyer. And I'm just wondering, what am I good for? And all it took was one person igniting something in me. But then it took someone else who had faith to ignite in me a realization that I'm fearfully and wonderfully created. God has given me passion and he's opened doors and there are things that he desires for me to do. And just because one door was closed does not mean that the Lord has closed every single door. He's only protecting me so that I get into the right door. And we need to be able to trust and do not be afraid. Tell the Israelites to move on. But the second thing he says is stand firm, stand firm. What it means is that we stand firm in what God has said and we do not let ourselves be moved and shaken by the things that are going on and transpiring around us. You know, it's amazing. I was one of those kids who was one of those annoying kids. Um, You know, you go to the monuments and you have the soldiers standing there at attention and I'd be the one who like to poke them or try and, you know, throw a rock at them or something and see if they move and everything else like that. But it's amazing. You'll see people who are military when they are engaged in their responsibility. What happens? No matter what goes on, they stand their post. Now, if you try and attack, they will not stand firm. They will go ahead and defend what they're supposed to do. But you can try and prod them, push them. You can try and make faces but they'll still stand at attention. And we have to learn that no matter what's going on, in the minute by minute, the hour by hour, we have to learn how to stand firm. Stand firm in what God has said. Don't let just one attack of the enemy take you out. Some of you, I mean, you're the frontline defense. You're the person at the beginning of the movie who always dies off in the first five minutes. You can't, I mean, you can't go through anything. One little thing, you just, I'll see you next year in church. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of God. I'm taking a break from God. I'm taking a break from all these things. Don't be that one. Stand firm. But the third thing he says here, he says, the Egyptians you'll see today, you will never see again. And I've termed this that you need to take note of God's signature. Take note of God's signature. What do I mean by that? Taking note of God's signature. What it means is he says that these Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. It's important that we understand why the Israelites will never see these Egyptians again. He wasn't simply saying, oh, man, yeah, I'm just about to wipe them out. He was reminding them that if you see the Egyptians right now, It means that what I promise to you is in action and in motion. I started off with the word that said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and they will pursue after you. And so if you don't see the Egyptians, guess what? You better be afraid. Because what that means is that God's word is not coming to pass. 
But he says that because you are standing in front of the place of bondage, the thing that held you, you see it in front of you and you're wondering, Lord, how many more times do I have to deal with this thing? But because you trusted in me, even when that thing you looked up and saw it right in front of you, you'll see them again, no more forever. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. You have to recognize when God is doing something, even when the external circumstances around you look like God has left and abandoned you. Just because you have those who are in opposition, who are in front of you, does not mean that you've lost the battle. And you have to learn how to focus on, Lord, what is your signature in this? Are you in this? Because when he recognized, here are the Egyptians trying to take over me, he recognized, man, this is the cue. All right, God, come on in. This is your part. This is your chance to go and do what you said you were going to do. And if we want to see the glory of God manifested in our lives, we're going to have to be open to God doing his thing. And sometimes in God doing his thing, it is not going to be in the way that we are used to him doing it. Because as the Egyptians were there right in front of the Israelites, you began to see as he said this word to them, it said that the angel of the Lord, it said that he moved from in front of them. He moved from in front of the children of Israel. Now, if you know what had happened was that the angel of the Lord was in a a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that directed them as to where they were to go. And here, after the word of the Lord comes, the angel of the Lord begins to move, and it says it moves from the front of them to the back of them, but between them and the Egyptians. What am I saying here? What I'm saying here is that if you want to see God's transformation going and taking place in your life, you're going to have to be open to allowing God to do things differently. I know you're used to the pillar of fire being in front of you. I know you're used to God doing it this way, that he leads me this way. But God is saying, I'm doing something else. You have to recognize my signature. Even though I'm doing something else, I'm not abandoning you. I'm still at work. And some of you, you cannot trust God in the journey because you're only concentrated on, Lord, do it my way. Be in front. But the Lord was saying, if I'm in front, I won't bring the deliverance that you need. Because it was only that he was there that they were able to separate day for the Israelites and night for the Egyptians so that they crossed through the Red Sea. And as soon as the Egyptians came to the sea, what began to happen? All the waves began to crash over them. And so recognizing that the Lord was doing something. And then the last thing he said again was stand firm. These Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. And once you've done the will of the Lord, stand firm. Remain focused on what God has called you to do while he takes you through the process of the transformation. I believe that as we go into 2012, there are going to be some things that we're going to look up and see and say, how did we get here? How did this come in my life? But in the midst of it, it's going to be the catalyst for God to work his miraculous power in and through our lives. It means we're going to have to be open to God doing some different things. I I understand as a pastor, I'm used to rhythms. I I like things 
plans sequenced in a certain way. I'm an engineer. I, I want things da, 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 like that. But I, I have to be open to allow the Lord to do what he's going to do in the way that he's going to do it. But I believe that as we trust God, there's going to be some Egyptians that we'll never see again because the Lord has brought deliverance over every aspect and every place of our lives. There's some Egyptians that I'm, I, I, I know I've been bringing before the Lord and I say, Lord, I don't want to see these again. These places of oppression and bondage. Lord, I need freedom. I need freedom. And I'm believing in 2012, God will make us free. But we have to trust in him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to reflect upon your word. Lord, that even as you are calling us, Lord, minute by minute and second by second, Lord, that it requires that we have faith and trust in you. Father, we acknowledge the fact that we're desperate for you. We need you, O oh Lord, each and every day. And Father, we thank you that as you have spoken your word, you have always been faithful to show up, Lord, in the midst of everything that is transpiring. Lord, I acknowledge the fact that sometimes I get anxious. I acknowledge the fact that sometimes when I see circumstances that I do not enjoy, Lord, my first thought begins to begin, Lord, what are you doing to me? But Lord, help me to see not what you're doing to me, but what you're doing for me. Lord, help me to trust in your word in the midst of all that goes on that I would not lose heart. And even as we begin to walk in 2012, I pray that the level of faith that I have at the beginning of this year Lord, will not only stay the same, but will grow, Lord, even throughout this year to trust you every single day. Lord, every day when I wake up, Lord, I will put my trust in you, knowing that you are faithful who has promised. Lord, help me in those times where I feel weak. Lord, help me to be the faith catalyst to those who may be going through sometimes and wondering, Lord, why did you bring us here? And I pray that others would be the same for me. Lord, that we would ignite a place where as we join together and as we operate as the body of Christ, we would see great things in store for us in 2012. Lord, have your way. Be glorified. It's in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.